This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Cray picks up Cluster Store from Seagate. And India advances supercomputing plans. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, we we had Cray in the podcast last week talking about a reduction in force that they were going through, and now they're bringing a lot of employees on because they've done a strategic deal, what they're calling a strategic partnership with Seagate that effectively moves the cluster store product line from Seagate over to Cray. Right. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, but they, they did these two moves back to back, and maybe we can talk a little bit about how those those two events might be related, but right, they they brought in the cluster store land, they brought it in-house. Um, from what we can tell from what they said in their press release and on the investor call that they had just uh, just this week, they're basically going to take the whole product line they're going to do from now on. They're going to be doing all the servicing on the contracts, the support, the sales, and now the manufacturing as well as the uh, development of the product going forward. Potentially not the whole product line. Uh, CEO Pete Ungaro on their investor call called it uh, most of the vast majority of the product line, he said, is moving over right. to Cray. And that includes sales, manufacturing, support. They're going to make offers to approximately 125 Seagate employees, but there's no guarantee that everybody will want to come over. They'll probably have some natural attrition as part of that. Right. I think in the uh, original press release, they, they expect to add more than 100 Seagate employees, and that'll bring with it, uh, you know, the, basically they're going to bring back 100 employees after laying off about 190 employees. And it's, um, it sort of makes you wonder, like, how much of that calculation went into the RIF when they probably knew last week that they were going to bring in or they expect to bring in 100 new employees that it seems like they they were going to make the uh, the move imminent and um since the original reasoning in, in doing the riff was that they weren't getting the revenue stream from their basically their supercomputing uh sales that uh, they probably had to adjust that number somewhat because of the the fact that they knew they needed the uh they were going to bring in the new employees from Seagate now, let's give this a little bit of market context. Cray is talking about this partnership with a great deal of excitement, predominantly because of the potential for increased gross margins in their storage sales. Now, Cray, we know, was the number one OEM of the Seagate Cluster Store storage system, uh, which Cray sold under the brand name Synexion, but it was an right. OEM arrangement from Seagate. They've said as part of all the disclosures around this transaction that uh, the Cray was the number one OEM there. Now, Seagate also sold it to a certain extent directly. There were some HPC users that would buy directly from Seagate. And then there were smaller OEM agreements with both uh, HPE and SGI, which are now, of course, both in the same company. So really, HPE was the only other significant OEM of the cluster store line, presumably that will peter out a little bit, although there is a, a separate reseller community of cluster store, which Cray hopes to keep active. But, but it's clear from 
the investor calls, the 10Q, uh, the publicly available information about this, that the revenue upside is not really the big thing. Cray was already the majority of the revenue for this cluster store line. And it seems like what they're hoping as part of the transaction is that now that it's a build versus buy, they move the manufacturing to the Cray facilities in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, that they can have a better gross margin on their storage business going forward. That's the story they're telling. Right. And also, presumably, since they now control the the research and development of this product line, they can uh, guide that in whatever way they want, since they're obviously very uh, in tune with the, the the supercomputing community that they sell into, that, that might take on a somewhat different form than than being at Seagate, although they they didn't go into that in detail. I mean, in a way, it's it's probably preferable that this storage line um, is sort of controlled by Cray, since they did have uh, they did depend on the Snexion line to to pair with their especially their XC uh, supercomputing system. So they'll have a little more control over over how that goes forward. Yeah, I mean, this was something that wasn't entirely clear in the announcement when they said that Cray and Seagate would collaborate on future research and development. But you had a comment in your article on top500.org from John Howarth, who's the vice president of storage at Cray, that really got at what that means is that Cray is designing the storage system and Seagate is going to continue to supply the disk drives, right? That's what Seagate is, is a disk drive manufacturer. Right, they're going to supply the componentry from now on, which is good enough for Seagate since they they get to sell the componentry. And he also said that they're not quite sure what they're going to do with the cluster store and Snexion brands going forward. The disposition of those brands relative to those two has not yet been determined, um, which makes me think they they didn't quite think through it all. I think they wanted to to get this deal done before thinking about how they're going to actually do the the branding over the next five years. It wasn't uh, that sort of uh, thought process going into this. Yeah, I think there are some detailed questions there that haven't been answered yet. And those brands, that's part of it. You know, are, are, are we going to see Cray selling Cluster Store now both under the Cluster Store brand and under the Synexion brand? Will Cray sell Cluster Store with a Seagate brand on it, particularly through those resellers? And then the brand I'm actually most interested in in all of this that doesn't appear to have been mentioned anywhere is the Luster brand. Because lest we forget, Seagate is the most recent owner of record of the Luster brand, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of an interesting side light there, too. I mean, they do they own the Luster uh, brandy now as well? But I think yeah, is that one itself- of the. Is that one of the other assets that's included that's mentioned in the 10Q? Did Cray acquire the Luster brand as part of this, or, or is that now sitting orphaned at Seagate like it used to be orphaned at at, uh, at Oracle? Yeah, that's a distinct possibility. I mean, in the in the filing, they didn't mention. I don't think they mentioned anything about the Luster branding or how they would uh, would take advantage of that uh, in, in any way. In fact, you know, bringing up that 10Q. As, as we're looking through it, it doesn't appear that they actually paid Seagate any money for any of this. It, it seems like they decided they would just, just take on the employees or they would make offer to the employees to come over and they take on the service and support contracts, which obviously was costing Seagate some money, and then take on the, the product line itself. Um, from what we can tell, 
no money changed hands, and which makes us think it's this was just something Seagate was probably looking at as as, as something of a uh, a revenue sink, and uh, they wanted to you know get rid of it because they they weren't really making uh, a return on investment for it. Yep. When we start reading the tea leaves on everything that happened here, I think it points to a a richer story than than Cray actually had in the PR uh, on this event. You know, why was this called a strategic partnership and not an acquisition? Or it would, looks like they acquired a product line. Well, it's not an acquisition if you didn't pay anything for it, right? right? right. And and that would be, uh, I think, yours and my opinion on this right now is probably it was just handed over as part of this deal. And putting that in further context, we went back to when Seagate first acquired Xyratex, which is what gave Seagate the cluster store line to begin with. That was announced at the very end of 2013, uh, right as we were heading into the new year. And in our first podcast, which was an HPC Wire soundbite podcast at that time, we said in that HPC Wire podcast, the first podcast we did in 2014, uh, that we doubted whether Seagate would keep the cluster store line because it wasn't really in line with Seagate's other disk drive manufacturing business and put Seagate in the awkward position of competing with its own customers. And it didn't really fit in their in their business that way. So now here we are three and a half years later, and Seagate is, is just uh, moving this product line out to its largest OEM. Yeah, I remember after that, uh... Seagate came back and was seemed very enthusiastic about this product line for a while and was going to integrate it into their whole other strategy of of coming up with uh, you know a very HPC and data analytics oriented offering and it seems like they were doing a lot initially and they had high hopes for this but um, I think as it turned out over a period of years they they figured they weren't really getting the return on this and they didn't have enough of a customer base to make this the the product I think they had envisioned when when they bought the technology from from Xyratex. Yeah, so all of this taken together, I'm essentially neutral on this deal for Cray. I, I know Cray talked about it with great enthusiasm. I think they were looking for some good news to put up against the layoff that they announced uh, just a week ago. But really, the increase in gross margin on the product line has to be balanced by the fact that that's essentially now a build versus buy decision. They're also taking on the manufacturing costs and the employees to offset the gross margin. So unless you argue that Cray is going to do that manufacturing a lot more efficiently than Seagate was doing it, then it's then it's a wash, right? But what Cray does manage to do is protect the strategic future of its data management line. And if Seagate was getting squirrely, this is just a hypothetical if, but if Seagate was getting squirrely about the future of Cluster Store and Cray needed to solidify that, then that would make a lot of sense in terms of Cray saying, hey, don't don't cancel it, we'll take it over. And then, you know, that makes sense for Cray. It's It's not for gross margin, it's to protect the future of it. Yeah, and I think if there's a long-term upside, it's the fact that Cray now controls the the product line going forward and can do what it wants and maybe can come up with with something analogous to what it's done on the supercomputing side and have an, a, like basically an XC uh, type of, of storage. I mean, Synexion is that right now, but it even has more control now. It doesn't have to rely on Seagate to do the 
the research and development for that. It, it can be in its own go forward with its own design, uh, whatever that may be, and be a little more creative perhaps with the uh, the cluster store uh, solution going forward into the future. One other little bit of trivia that goes with this now, we've seen this this cluster store migration over to Cray and Intel uh, changing its status on Intel Enterprise Edition Linux. We're running out of commercially supported Linux distributions for the HPC market. DDN is now making a claim that it's got the only one. I think that's a uh, that's maybe a good claim, although I'd have to spend more time thinking about what other commercially supported Linux distributions for HPC there are. But there's an opportunity here for uh, storage competition. All right, Michael, uh, getting to our other story in this week in HPC quickly. This also revisits a previous story, but rather than last week, we're going back to last year, last May. We previewed a story where India was moving forward its national supercomputing efforts under a Made in India initiative where they were going to start refreshing their, their supercomputers, come into the petascale era, and also lay the groundwork for domestically produced supercomputers. We said at that time, uh, a little more than a year ago, that the first systems were slated to come out in August of 2017, which is now a few days away. How are they doing with that? Any update? Well, they're pretty much on target. I mean, I think they're going to be a little bit late. They're just finishing up the RFP for the first systems. Now that's a three-phase initiative, which adds a little more detail to that. This is uh, basically close to $700 million dollars uh, U.S. dollars uh, project, and it's going to extend over seven years. So the first phase, those aren't going to be indigenous systems, but they're going to be big systems. They're going to have two two petaflop systems, and then uh, I think four 500 teraflop systems. Uh, those RFPs are in motion. In fact, they're nearing the end, and from what they're saying now, they hope to have those systems up and running before the end of 2017. Yeah, so this is big news. We, we said uh, in that call at the end of May that we thought maybe we'd be talking about India more often now, and they are refreshing this, uh, this uh, infrastructure for supercomputing. I, I, what's your outlook on India becoming a top-tier supercomputing power, and what do you think about them developing their own internal technologies? Well, I mean, I think it, it's an uphill battle. Right now, their most powerful system is a uh, little over one petaflop system. It's actually a Cray XC40. Um, and so this project or this initiative was to push India forward in a, in a major way. Now, it's not going to put them into the upper echelons of, of supercomputing. That's still going to be reserved for uh, China, the US, and, and the EU in, in aggregate. But this will put them back where I think they should be as a as a large country that has a lot of, at stake in the in the HPC business they're they're looking to put uh, eventually 50 supercomputers of various sizes over the 7 year period and and bring them more up to speed I think right now they've only got about four I think they have four systems on the top 500 list and for uh, a country that sort of this size should probably have uh, quite a bit more than that, and they should have some bigger systems doing uh, different types of work. Yeah, I'm of two minds about this. Uh, one is that 
when you talk about these national initiatives, you can start acquiring hardware or even throw money at hardware development. But the thing that takes longer to deploy is the software ecosystem around it. And this is a big theme of mine last month at ISC when we were talking about all the Exascale initiatives. I wanted to see where the developments were on the software side to bring these applications along. So that would lend me to say, well, India can invest in these petascale and, and larger supercomputers, but they need to develop a software ecosystem behind that. Now, the flip side of that is that India in recent history has shown some great strengths in software development. And if they close the gap to where now it becomes a matter of software, then you run that forward another decade and, and India really could catch up. Right. And it's it's somewhat complicated by the fact that in the second and third phases of this initiative, they want to add uh, their indigenous uh, supercomputing technology into this. Now, they can actually uh, help themselves a little bit by going to more standard architectures. They could put like an ARM system up uh, that's made in India. They could do other things where they can leverage the uh, the ecosystems that are the software ecosystems that are being developed elsewhere and I sort of suspect that's what they'll be doing but it it does add a little more stress to to the eventual goal of making uh, their supercomputing uh, infrastructure a, a domestically produced uh, uh, infrastructure instead of one that they they import that's the part I'm most dubious about. I, I think in reality, if India wanted to vault itself to the forefront of supercomputing, their investment would better be made buying the hardware and investing in the software. I think they would catch up faster that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 a reasonable and debatable thing. I mean, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago with, with what the EU was actually trying to do with their domestic initiative as well. And uh, it does remain to be seen, you know, what the, what the most economical way. But again, I, I think this is sort of like a worldwide uh, trend now that every country or every region wants to be less reliant on North America for the, for the hardware technology and, and take advantage of the, the wider software ecosystem. But again, this is, this is sort of an unproven uh, model and we'll see how it plays out over the next five years. All part of the return to specialization as the pendulum swings back away from standards, standardized systems to specialized systems. That's the new era we're in. Yep. All right, Michael, thanks again for two great new stories, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.